The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Listen to UFC Unfiltered today. My uh, co-host, because Matt Sarah is away, is my pal. Louis J. Gomez. Yes, who also hosts the uh, podcast with uh, Michael Bisping. We have a really good time. We talked to Michael on the phone. We talked to Matt Sarah on the phone, who is none too pleased about Louis being here. And we also talked to Christian O'Connell on the phone. And I stop and go to shit because I almost shit my pants during the Christian O'Connell interview. <laughs> he may finish it here. Oh, he's out. He's out. UFC and digital media present UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra, powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Bad news, folks. Matt's not here. He died. So we've replaced him with Luis Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Luis J. Gomez. Yes, I know. I thought I should I say the J or not. Why do you say the J? Is there another Luis Gomez? Well, there's a lot of Luis Gomez. Oh, there's okay. a rapper. There's a baseball player. There's like four comedians. Oh, so it's the kind of se- it's like Jim J. Bullock in a way to keep yourself separate. Yeah, you okay. want to you want to just keep yourself uh, separate from the pack. And also, Luis Gomez is a very generic name. You know what I'm saying? That's like the the Dave Smith of the Hispanic world is Luis Gomez. Okay. So Luis J. Gomez, who I know for many years, I just, you know, I didn't realize the J was actually something you wanted said all the time. Uh, Matt's out. He's away with Dana doing, uh, I guess, looking for a fight. I don't know where he is. He's supposed to call in. Oh, no, he's he's on a vacation. That's right. Matt's not even, I thought Matt was working. He's at Disney with his family. (laughs) Fucking around in Disney. We'll get him on the phone in a little bit, too. We can Hope he gets eaten him. by an alligator. Fucking <laughs> 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 okay, Sarah comes back with no foot. <laughs> yeah, this is like a planned vacation, and uh, I get panicky. Do you ever leave your podcast? Lewis is on, uh, you, you do the, a really good podcast with uh, Michael Bisping, who's calling in today. Um, what's the name of your podcast? It's called The Countdown. It's on uh, Sirius XM Rush 93. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, we, we've been doing it for, I guess it's going on a year now. We're officially going twice a week uh, in like two weeks. Oh, you are? Okay. Well, dep- I guess if he loses his fight, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, as long as he wins, I'm positive we're going to be going twice a week. But uh, yeah, we've been doing it for a while and, and Mike's the man. We, we have him calling in later on, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited about his. I'm nervous this weekend. Why? I'm nervous. Why? Because Dan Henderson's a motherfucker. Yes, Dan Henderson's is. a guy who, from any angle, at any point in the fight, it could be one second left in the fifth round, or it could be straight out the gates. He's going to come out, and he can knock you out from any angle. And, Michael, I mean, we have 
tape of Michael Bisping getting knocked out by Dan Henderson in probably the most brutal way ever. So it just makes me very nervous. I think Bisping's going to win. He has all the confidence in the world. I, I think it's an extremely winnable fight for him. He's a, a, a substantially better kickboxer and striker. But Dan Henderson's a guy, and we watched it in the Hector Lombard fight. He could be in trouble, and then boom, knocked you out with a fucking weird elbow from a downward angle. The one thing about guys like Henderson, too, who is really fun to watch at his age. Like, I'm happy for him getting this fight just because, you know, I kind of, I like Michael because I know him, so I want him to win. Yeah. But so you can't not be happy for Henderson. He's 46, I think. Yeah. And uh, But guys like him and Roy Nelson, who are, are such great fighters, and I think Fedor at one point, just they all start to rely on this gigantic right. And they're all great at other uh, aspects of MMA. They're all good wrestlers. They all know jiu-jitsu. And I don't know why you just get comfortable throwing this booming right. Well, it works. Using... I mean, you, the amount of times we see them knocking people out with it, um, you know, it's that's the X factor right there. I mean, because literally in almost every other aspect of the game, I think Michael Bisping beats Dan Henderson, um, you know, on paper. But when you have a guy who can knock you out at any given point in the fight, it just becomes very scary. And then also you kind of said it yourself, in a weird way, you know, I'm conflicted because I've always been a big Dan Henderson yeah. fan. What an amazing story, dude. He's finally getting his UFC title shot. Shot. You know, the la- he, said, he said flattered. He was like, I'm going to retire if I get the title. This yeah. is the end of his legacy. If you're writing a book about MMA, you're writing Dan Henderson winning this fight. Then again, Bisping being the champion is also kind of an interesting story, too, the way he got there. He got, uh, who, who dropped out of a fight that he got? It was some backwards way. Yeah, it was Weidman. He- Weidman dropped out right. 12 days notice. Uh, he got the rematch with Luke that, Rockhold. That Luke Rockhold, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the same thing. But here's the thing. If you, write, if you wrote the book on Bisping's life, you could end it right now. And that's right. okay. Dan Henderson still needs that final chapter. And that, it's just, that's, all of those things just make it a very, very, very scary fight and very scary for the future of my radio show. Yeah, but then again, <laughs> if, if, if he loses, your radio show will still be around because he'll, he, you know. Then he'll need it. Yeah, he'll have more time. He'll be more humble, more down to earth, more on your level. You don't want to fuck around the champion. He's probably late all the time. He's cocky. It's true. <laughs> Hold on, the champ's talking. All right, go ahead, Michael. Sorry. He's a really fun guy, though. I sat next to him in a fight, and he just pounds fucking beer. He's a really yeah. fun dude, man. Yeah, he likes the party. He does, right? Yeah, he does. I'm amazed by guys like him, Cowboy Cerrone, who literally come in. Now, he might have been sober when he said we had Cowboy in. I couldn't tell. You saw him, I know, later that day on Race Wars. Yeah, we smoked We smoked a little pot together that day. It's amazing how these guys can turn it on and off. Like, how, how can you be so fucked up and party and then like just all of a sudden go, no, I got to train and that's it. I'm amazed at their willpower. Yeah, I can't even, I can't even fucking write emails the next morning after <laughs> partying, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that's it. And yeah, I think as you get older, you lose it. I don't know. I used to fucking, I used to party so hard up until a couple years ago, you know? And right. I would get hammered, literally... Seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, glasses of whiskey in a night, blackout drunk, wake up the next day, do it all over again. And I think as you get older, you know, it, it just kind of that ability falls apart. And I think these guys, because they're such high level athletes, they keep themselves younger for longer. Maybe, yeah. I'm, I'm just amazed they have the ability to do it. Yeah, it's really hard to, like, I literally, this is what a fucking little piggy titted boy I am. I was doing Nyack this weekend. Yeah. I could not eat pretzels in the green room. I can't say no to salted little pretzel nuggets. Yeah. I fucking love them. Yeah. Dip them in mustard. It's so good. But like, I feel all fat and frumpy now. And like, it, I don't know how you make yourself. I have the same problem with that club, but I do it with the, uh, the candied bacon. 
They have candied bacon there that you could literally just ask for plates of it to be in the green room the whole really? time. Oh, it's fucking brutal. That's how you know you're getting older, though, when you're actually excited to hear about like someone talking about candied bacon. Like I literally am not being ironic. I'm enjoying this yeah. a lot. I want to hear more about it. <laughs> fucking 10 years ago, I would have spit on you for mentioning that. <laughs> Fuck. But you start to do that. You start to think about food more as you get older. And maybe that's the problem, like, like why I can't con- see how you can control yourself. Just because I'm yeah. getting older, I'm getting a little bit weaker. Well, these, guys are, these guys are athletes. They, I mean, it's a whole other level. I, you know, we we think it's so easy to be a fan and to sit back and go, oh, I would do that. I right. would do this. And you have to realize what another level these guys are at physically. We had Mickey Gall, uh, who who just beat. CM oh yeah, Punk. I love Mickey Gall. Such a such a sweetheart of a guy. Uh, we had him on Legion of Skanks, and as a as a like a almost like a challenge to myself, I wanted to see if I could last longer than CM Punk <laughs> if I were to MMA fight Mickey Gall. So we had special rules. I was only allowed, we were only allowed to strike to the body. Um, and he let me start in mount. I was mounting him, okay? And that was it. I, was, I had to last two minutes and 15 seconds because CM Punk lasted 2.14. Literally, he bucked me off and then fucking... Uh, he, the first time he bucked me off and rolled me into a heel hook within four seconds. Like, wow. literally, he wasn't doing anything. And then I was like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So we did it again, and it took him 16 seconds to buck me off and then uh, choke me out with the Darce choke. So you, the, the level that these guys are yeah. at, if, if you think... If you think you can compete even the slightest, you're out of your fucking mind. Doesn't that make... And Mickey is a... It's funny. Somebody told me... He and I had met before, and I, I, I didn't... I think he was before he was a professional fighter. And uh, a guy like that, he's just a nice-looking guy, a regular dude. You would never think... Like, that makes bars scarier. Yeah. It makes real life scarier because there's young guys... What's he, 24 years old? 24, 20, yeah. Guys like that running around who are brown belts, who are fucking killers. Yeah. And he really is going to be a, gr- a great fighter, man. You got to figure um, the average guy, like, just in general, if you think the average skill set of, of a man today, 2016 versus 2002, it just has to... We all know a little bit more, I feel like. Even yeah. like you watch street fight videos you watch people get them onto the ground you'll hear their friends oh ground and pound ground and pound they get into a mount they're doing shit like uh, the ufc and mixed martial arts has changed the fibers of like human combat in general we all just know a little bit more so you're right it is very scary i talk about that in my act it's like you don't know who to fuck with anymore i always look at the ears yep i always look for shitty ears if I see you have shitty ears, I will literally, you could just take my girlfriend home with you. Yeah, you either know shit. martial arts or you eat pussy well. If I see those cauliflower ears, <laughs> I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> but you're right, those ears. Who did I say that to the other day? Was in the, uh, he, he was with, uh, with uh, oh, it was uh, Cowboy's his friend. training partner, yeah. uh, Hector, Hector Munoz. Hector Munoz, I yeah. believe, yeah. Uh, and his fucking ears are like, and you just, no one is fucking with that guy. Yeah. Like literally, if he gets locked up, no one's fucking with him. That's it. You can just tell that's a guy who's, who trains and knows how to fight. So Mickey Hall called out, uh, we talked about this before too, Sage Northcutt, which I really, I want to see that. Like, I don't dislike Sage, but I really like Mickey. So yeah. I'm hoping that that fight happens. It's so funny how it is too, because, you know, you work in this world, as do I. You, we end up knowing these guys. And it ends up being this weird thing, you yeah. know, because you, you end up knowing a guy and then you end up, I, I've talked about this before on the countdown before, but there's like a level of involvement with like the fighters, right? So at first on the, the very base level, you go, oh, I'm a casual fan. I like that guy more than that guy for whatever reason. You just right. kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for that guy, right? Maybe he's an underdog. But then you, you get to the next level and you become fans of certain guys and you're invested. Like I'm a big fan of the Diaz brothers. I really want yeah. those motherfuckers to win. But then it goes up to another level where you start to meet the guys and you know the guys a little bit like Mickey Gall is like, oh, I really like mickey gall yeah. i hung out with him i had drinks with him we, we we smoked a blunt together and we talked shop and then the next level is you're friends with him and then the very top level is you're married or you have a, a some sort of like uh f- family type relationship with them a blood relation yeah, yeah. and that's kind of how i am with 
fights now, it's like I watch Michael Bisping fight, and I'm so emotionally invested. Sure. I mean, dude, every time he was fighting Anderson Silva, every time Anderson Silva threw a kick, I felt like I was in that goddamn cage. And it's very easy for me to say as a Oh, fat, did you know him when he was fighting? Yeah, I, oh, we were doing the radio okay. show already. I didn't know you started already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, dude, it's it's pretty crazy when you get invested like that. So that's how I feel about Mickey. It's like Mickey's been on my podcast now. Right. Like, I'm a Mickey golf fan for the rest of my life, no matter who he fights. Well, I'm weird, too. Like, I'm actually rooting for Matt to fight again so I can root against him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I know what you mean. It's it's so much harder when you talk to them. I'm trying to think, like, like Chris Weidman. Like, I like Weidman. I always liked him as a fighter but matt is going to be in his corner in the uh the romero fight and they're very close and chris has come in and it's like now i really want him to win. like i would have yeah. watched that fight at one point and be like i like chris i hope he beats him but then but now i'm like fuck man i really want yeah, him weidman's to win like a fight. guy where it's like if he's fighting romero if you have nothing invested you're like i don't know i kind of hope they both kill each other in the cage yeah how cool will that be yeah, romero's a scary guy but i yeah. think weidman would probably have hopefully be, have better uh cardio yeah i think weidman's i think weidman's overall better athlete and uh you know, oh, they're scary though. Yeah, they're all scary, dude. Yeah. All these guys are. We forget. You forget. Like, I wouldn't be frightened of Jacare though. You wouldn't be. Yeah, you yeah, would. Of course, I would be. <laughs> of course, I would be. <laughs> Just walking down the street. Dude, I saw him on a bus. I saw him on a. We, we t- I get to take the UFC bus at two hundred because I was with Matt. Yeah. So I get to be with all the fighters. It really was trying to act like you fit in, like knowing you're the weak link. Yeah. And uh, and Jacare was on the bus and and fucking Overeem, and it's just like they're just massive guys. Like those guys that you kind of know though. Like even if you don't know that they're fighters, they're in such good shape. You're like that guy obviously does yeah. something. I'm not gonna fucking you know fuck around with him. Jacare I find terrifying. Yeah, Jacare is a terrifying guy. I don't like this though. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna like say this. he. I don't, I don't like the alligator thing. <laughs> he walks around doing alligator moves at people. Yeah, yeah I don't like that. Right. Yeah, that's a problem when you get like people from like foreign countries that are trying to like figure out how to market themselves to Americans. Yeah, like they're like we need some sort of crazy fucking you know super finger. So fucking let's do an alligator. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It really is so funny. Like if you can't speak this language. We will turn our backs on you so quickly. We didn't care about Anderson Silva at all, at all, until he started learning how to speak the language. And even then, we almost wish he would just keep his mouth shut because he had that shitty little squeaky voice. Fedor, people cared about, like, but maybe that was just the legend of it. And he had, if he had come here and not spoken and, and done that, yeah, no, the that quiet was... thing, people would have been like, "Fucking boo." Yeah, no. well, because that's right, because you, we weren't <laughs> watching Pride with the Japanese commentators. We would watch Boss Rutten do it. Um, and it would, yeah, you, the boss Rutan would sell you on guys like Fedor, but you look, you need the UFC and what they do. Um, it's a dance, you know what I'm saying? The UFC is leading the dance and then they can take fighters that have, you know, super exciting styles, very exciting on the mic, very marketable, whatever it is. And they can turn them into superstars. But the reason that there's really been no superstars outside of the UFC in North America it shows you that really is UFC is the X factor. And you know, it's funny, The uh, Alex Oliveira always comes out. His thing is when he walks out, he smiles. Like he's, you know, with this cowboy hat and he's just excited to be there. And it's really weird to watch. It feels genuine. Yeah. Like he loves fighting, which has got to fucking uh, fuck with the other guy. Uh, but I kind of enjoy watching him uh, walk out. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Because he seems to enjoy. I don't like when they do shit though. And again, this is when they crawl into the cage. Just go in. Yeah, because <laughs> to me, if you have a ritual, if one thing breaks in the ritual chain, doesn't that fuck you up? Yeah, that to me is always what's scary about ritual. Like, well, like Wade Boggs, I got to eat chicken. I got to eat chicken. Okay, then what's the first time you strike out after you eat chicken? How does chicken work anymore? Yeah. Rituals are very scary to me. Yeah, I think that all the I've guys them, they're trying to separate themselves. They're trying to do whatever they can do to differentiate themselves. And I know they told Mickey Gall uh, he couldn't come out to Hey Mickey, you're so fine at first. They had a problem with that. Why? Does somebody else use it or no? No, they were like, it's just not like a tough enough of a song. 
But it ended up being badass. Like when he came out to it, it was awesome. I never liked that because there was a comedian I knew in New Jersey named Mickey Loesch. Well, I, I don't know whatever happened to him, but he would come on stage to that song. Yeah. To, oh, Mickey. Or so. Yeah. I, I remember he used to host the open mic I would do in like fucking uh, just some up like in the mountains in New Jersey somewhere. It was yeah. a Porky's was the name of the comedy club. <laughs> Porky's. I used to do it like 1992. Yeah. 91. Yeah. Mickey Loesch. I don't know why I'm saying his name. I just haven't thought of him in 25 years. <laughs> Nobody has. You ever wonder what happened to people you start with? I always, I always wonder yeah, what happened yeah. to people. I, I feel like people don't quit comedy anymore. You know, I think because you're, you've been doing it a lot longer than me. You were there before the social media boom. Um, now you can kind of find every, everybody. So you don't really even have to worry. It's why I didn't go to my, my high school reunion. I was like, I know what everyone's doing. I know what you all look like. Right. I know what you do for a living. I know the cars you drive, who you're married to, what your kids look like. What's the point of going to a 10-year reunion? You know? Yeah, I might go to my 30th, though. You start to feel like, I, I don't want to feel old. Like, I'm still delusional because I feel like I'm just a boy, even though mm. I'm not. I'm graying. I look old. You know, I'm like a fucking an alien. I see myself nude in the mirror. I'm like, who's that fucking old man on that smooth body with nicer than you think they'd be genitals? <laughs> but, I'm, but it's like, you don't want to fucking feel old. Yeah. You don't want to feel like I'm an old guy. Well, you're successful enough as well that you can go back and be like, oh, uh, there's a good chance you're going to be the most successful person at your reunion. And and I think that that also kept me from going to my 10-year reunion because that was when I was 28. I'm 34 now. I had nothing going on in the business oh. at that time. So to walk into a 10-year reunion being a fucking basic open mic comedian who still has a day job, you have to lie to everyone and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a comedian, but you're not. You're a fucking gym salesman. You know, I don't know if I would like that, like to be like the quantity. I, I, I'm really weird with being like the star of the show in those moments. Like I get embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird like feeling of just, Ugh, it's just uncomfortable for That's me. a weird thing considering we're such attention whores. All yeah. we do is we get on stage and we get on radio and podcasts and just talk for a living and it's constantly look at me, look at me, look, look at, at me. me yeah. And then you're out of that environment and you shut that down completely. How about with family? Like I'm weird when I see my aunts and uncles. Look, our jobs are more interesting than most. You know, most people know a cop or a fireman or a doctor or they just they have friends that are do that. But a lot of them don't know comics. Yeah, we're the real heroes. Yes, we certainly are. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're the ones who bring laughter on 9-11. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're the ones who We are, really do compare ourselves to heroes. It's you embarrassing. You know how many comics said that? We're like, dude, yeah, but you know what, man? Remember the first time you saw somebody do a 9-11 joke right after 9-11? It was magic, bro. It's, 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 <laughs> some comedians are embarrassing. In their, in their, with, in their, it's like you're not curing cancer. Mm. You're just fighting off your own self-hatred really, in front of people. We, fighters do the same thing. It's like we. It's like every fighter deserves to be a millionaire. It's like, why? Mm. Hold on, why? Why does every comic deserve to be paid for their shitty jokes? It's like this is. It's a very fair business in the sense that the cream will rise to the top. If you're really funny and you work halfway hard, you'll make a living being a stand-up comic. If you're a really good fighter and you work really hard at it, you'll probably make a living being a fighter. What was I just saying, too? We were just saying something. Uh, my mind goes... I do like... I, Matt Sarah With does family? Yeah, like when they want to talk about... I'm saying they want to talk about the job because, again, it's, it, they just don't know a lot of comedians. So they'll ask you questions. And I don't mind it, but I'm like, I always feel embarrassed and like on the spot. Like, And I'm not angry, but I just feel like, oh, it just brings out my fucking humiliation. Like yeah. Little Jimmy Norton has a new bike and he wants to show people he can ride it and I like, <laughs> fall off. Well, it also becomes a thing where it's like, you know, we, we all do this. Even people that work at fucking, you know, normal desk jobs, you want to present the best part of yourself. And I think as a comic, you want to be honest. You know what I'm saying? So it ends up being this thing where it's like you have this weird moment where you're like, well, am I going to tell my aunt that I'm fucking actually struggling still and there's all, everything isn't right and maybe I didn't get this audition or I didn't get this TV show or the pilot didn't go through? Or am I going to make it look like I'm the shit and that my career is going awesome? Um, 
you know, and to, to kind of make everyone proud. It's like my, my family's proud of me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't tell them when I'm late on a bill because I, I'm the, I'm the I'm the guy who left Rockland County and went and did something extraordinary and something cool. So I kind of want to keep it cool for my family, ah. but it's a conflict because I still want to be an honest person. We all want to be real comedians. Yeah, I I kind of downplay it in a way. Like I don't know, I just get embarrassed, man. I've always been like that. Like if I got something nice, I don't feel like I deserve it. It's just crazy self esteem shit. Yeah, yeah. Whenever something nice is there, I'm like, oh, oh shucks, routine. I don't know, <laughs> fucking mopey douche. But that, and I'll tell you right now, like there, there's a lot of that. That's how I grew up in comedy. I remember, you know, uh, Big J, who I do the Legion of Skanks podcast with. He's a great comic, but he, you know, his his whole thing was like, you know, have humility. You know, you know, I, I was I was telling people that I sucked at comedy. Like way too late in the game. Like when I should have been like, you watch guys that get fast tracked in this sure. business. They're not telling anybody they suck at comedy. Right. They're not telling anybody that they, they're just fucking selling themselves as the next big thing. And I think it's, a, it's a finding a balance of that because I think all of the great comics think they suck, but that's why all these great comics take 25, 30 years to pop. It's funny too. Like a lot of people like it's the catch 22. Cause you're right. A lot of guys that get fast tracked don't have that gene in them. They're comfortable watching themselves. Yeah. Like they're comfortable going, Hey, 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 watch. I was on Conan tonight. Check this out. Yeah. I would literally rather watch my parents fuck than watch myself <laughs> on Conan. I'm not I, the idea or any show, the idea of watching myself in front of people. My first tonight show I did. I, I went a guy named Joey Silvera is a good friend of mine. He's a porn guy. He directs a lot of, uh, let's just say alternative porn. He's really a fucking good boy. And I went to Joey's house, and there were some porn stars there, and they were going to watch my Tonight Show, and I was so ashamed. I went into the basement and watched it alone yeah. while they watched it upstairs. I couldn't watch it in and front of people. I can't do it. I, it's not mock humility either. I truly feel like I'm washed in shame. Yeah. But guys who are fast-tracked never feel that way, and I admire the, the, their ability to not feel that way. I admire their ability. Like I always wonder how fighters, one of the things for me with fighters is the way they can actually go, like, no, I'm not afraid of this guy. Like, Matt Sarah will say that, too. I'll be like, you weren't scared of this guy? He'll be like, no, I look at it like he's got to fight me. He's yeah. fucked. <laughs> and he means it. Like, yeah. Matt's a fucking real alpha little psychopath. Like, I don't know how guys have that much confidence in themselves. It, it, it baffles me. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... You know, I guess that's how you were raised, which were, I think, I, I, look, I'm Hispanic, I'm Puerto Rican. I think that you, you watch in the black and Hispanic communities, they have a little bit more of that. It's almost like hip hop culture. It's like you talk about your big dick and your nice cars, whereas in like the, the white world, you know, there's it's just, I, I was thinking th things in terms of comedy. It's like there's just nothing funny about having a big dick. It was always funnier to listen to Stern talk about his little dick. You're right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I think that's... It's just kind of who certain people are and how we're built, but it seems to be every guy that's getting on SNL or getting on The Daily Show or just getting zipped past in four or five years, they don't have any of that. Well, part of it is, too, that there's, you know, they, they need youth because... Not that these guys don't like Pete Davidson's fucking hilarious. Yeah, He's Pete's a, a really bastard, fucking man. funny dude. And uh, also with great instincts. Like yeah. he, 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 I remember seeing him when he was like seventeen, and he was doing a joke about his dad dying on nine eleven. And I remember just thinking, I was like, "That's uh, it." Wasn't even funny yet. I just remember going like, "Oh, that's really good instincts for a seventeen year old kid to like go there right away." Yeah, he's a real comedian. Like yeah. he really takes the worst shit and he makes fun of it. And uh, you know, a lot of the young guys get fast tracked a because you know they'll be there for a long time, and b I think they're trying to get young people just to watch TV. It's very hard to get. You know, it's all computer shit. Like Fallon and, and Kimmel are so smart because they, they're great with viral videos. Yeah. Who's the other guy that does like the singing in the car shit? That's an old man question. It's James Corden. James Corden. Yeah, yeah he does that uh, car karaoke. It's called I think. Yeah. 
fucking massively successful. Yeah, two, they're just two making... hands now. We are. Oh, did you see when <laughs> Beyonce was singing? I thought it was delightful. Did you enjoy that, Louis J. Gomez? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think you're right about that. I think you have to kind of create content for the the age group now. Right. And now they're trying to get these young people. Um, to kind of get other young people into comedy. But it's kind of funny because stand-up comedy, it's not really a young person's game. You know what I'm saying? There's some weird... When I, when I kind of roll my eyes. If there's a 22-year-old kid and he starts to... Take a knee. Let me tell you about life. My reaction initially is like, ah, go fuck yourself. You don't know shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? I started comedy when I was 22. So I, I understand why it's harder as a young comic to, to really do well. But it's like I almost... It's almost like they're trying to keep, keep on repackaging jazz music. It's like, let's get young people into jazz. Be like, well, no, they're not really into jazz. Right. Stand-up comedy is like jazz music. Uh, you, there's there's other stuff that comes out of it. There's great TV shows and there's great you know web series and there's all this amazing content that can be drawn from great stand-ups. But stand-up in general, young people don't want to fucking watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a whole lot of young people in my crowd. More than I would if I didn't do radio. The fact that I do radio and I do this, I see younger people than I probably deserve. Like, you know, you know, my, my audience, I'm 48, so they should be in their late 40s or 40 and up. But I still see a lot of them in their mid to late 20s. Like, I'd yeah. say half my crowd is still 27 to 34, which is kind of nice. You don't want them all being in their fucking late 40s because then they don't want to come out and see you. Yeah. So I don't know. But I don't see a whole lot of teenagers either. I'm too mean. Yeah. And, they, and I just did an interview for the Washington uh, Times. And they always take the most, the weird, like I said that a lot of the college students needs to be protected as childlike. Yeah. To be protected from things. You, even Obama said that to them. Like you can't be protected from shit you don't want to hear. And, uh, and they make that like the quote. So then it's like young people look at you and go, go fuck yourself. You know. Yeah. Even though I think young people are right about it, most of the shit they say. History usually proves them right. We hate to say it, but like, you know, with the civil rights and all that stuff, it's the college students that usually turn out to be right. Oh yeah. I think that, I think They're at the end of the day, if you just took the messages, I almost always agree with the left. The problem is the way they package the messages is in such a pussy way that it makes me go, I don't want to be a part of that group. Yeah. I would rather be wrong than be a part of that group. Did you see, by the way, I mentioned, uh, uh Oliveira before. Did you see the fight with Will Brooks? I didn't. I watched that was the co-main, and then the main was uh, Dodson Lineker. I didn't watch the whole thing because I've just gotten lazy. It was, yeah, yeah, I love fucking fight pass. Yeah, so good. Then you want like you're watching them, and then you want to go. I want to go back and watch a Stephen Thompson fight. Like you just want. It, it's such a great. It like, really it's is like, a it's great like a thing. porn mega site for. But fighting. it's become like uh, you know. I used to back in the day. I anything. I would. I would just if I saw the letters UL on the TV. I would freak out. I'd be like, oh, Ultimate Fight or something, right? Anything that would happen at any given time, any fighting that was on, any videos that were on, boom, I would go and try to find them and, and, and seek them out. Blockbuster video, anytime anything new would come out, UFC or Pride, I would go rent it. Um, but now there's so much going on at all. To every single week there's a new fight that in a weird way, I almost, I don't even feel bad about it anymore. It's like, I'm actually happy to be in a place where I don't need to watch every single right. fight. Right. You know, I used to, t I used to be obsessed. I used to take off every single fight. And now it's like, all right, well, I can kind of pick and choose. Now I fight pass and go back and watch the fights that sure. are here that are great. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't actually get a chance to, I had spots all Saturday night. I worked through most, I do the same thing too, yeah. man. but even the pay-per-views and, uh, the, the worst was trying to get back when I was on beyond the road, get back after the late show to try to catch the fight before I read on Twitter what was going Sorry, on. Sorry, man, we got Christian O'Connell calling in right now. Oh, is he on? Okay. Yep. Uh, he's a, uh, a radio, they call him presenters in England. What time is your show on over there in, uh, in, uh, in England? Uh, probably similar hours to you, so I do a morning show, so it's 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., so it's, it's the fun hours. Yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, do you do stand-up as well? Yeah, I've just got, I've got, yeah, I've just in the last four years got back into it. I was doing stand-up before radio came along. 
and then um, I kind of stopped for quite a few years, but I've always missed it. And I would, you know, I get to, I got to know a lot of comedians, and they're always like, "You've got to go back to it." And so it became one of those things. I thought I, I need to go back to it. It was like, you know, what stand up like? It's not something you 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 just do. It's something that calls you because it's a, it's such a weird thing to do just to get out in front of people and you know talk to them for an hour and a half and try and make them laugh and um, we're speaking by the way sorry to interrupt you we're speaking to christian o'connell uh who has a a radio show in england which he says on six to ten and uh yeah the weird thing about the stand-up is man you start to miss the ability to communicate the way you want because on radio and i'm sure it's the same over there as it is here you, there are certain restrictions and there's certain there's advertiser things you have to think of there's just they don't want a certain tone and stand-up is pretty much you can just do what you want to do and say whatever you want to say yeah, I still think stand-up, well, it's changing a bit. Um, stand-up, you know, is still, I think, one of the most free-form um, art forms there is. You know, however, the last couple of years, it's increasingly been policed. It's, you know, stand-up comedians have been held to account for things they've said as if they were, you know, role models and politicians. And I think that's really dangerous because what it does is it will stop comedians taking chances. They don't want to get into trouble. You know, we live in with these days. It's like people are professionally offended. So it's quite hard sometimes to to try and still, you know, push the boundaries with stand-up when it's so easy for someone just to, you know, send a tweet out about one line you say and they take out context. I mean, you must find that. Your, your act, you know, is a very sort of, you know, to push it, that's your act. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny to watch them when even when they know someone's kidding, they get angry. Like when Trevor went through, Trevor Noah, when he was going to host The Daily Show, yeah. they picked these old jokes out and, oh, there was, you know, anti-Semitic or whatever. And it's like, this guy grew up in a place where his parents weren't allowed to walk on the same side of the street and you're going to lecture him about appropriate content? <laughs> what a bunch of dopes. Yeah, I love I love when white women start to lecture brown people about what words they can or cannot say. It's just the funniest thing on earth to me. Um, this is Lewis, and he's Hispanic, and he's referring to me. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, has that has that been happening over in England as well? Because I mean, it's at this point yeah. in the United States as a comic, you literally before you press send or before you hit enter on any tweet, any Facebook post, anything you're going to put out there, you're now thinking twice. You're now questioning everything. And I think on the left, they go, oh, well, you should be questioning. You should be thinking about the things you're going to say. But comedy is about spontaneity, and it's about finding the funny in that exact moment. And I feel like we're all missing on a lot of funny based off of this kind of delay that we have. Is the same thing happening in, in, in England right now? Are the comics being scrutinized as heavily? Absolutely. I think it's going all over the world. It's, it's the way of the world now, isn't it? It is like people are just love to... They, it's like for any comedy show, you see people laughing their heads off, and if you say something that they that they don't exactly agree with, they hate you. You've offended them. You know, and it's like they don't understand that freedom of speech means freedom of speech. It's this, And this is what stand-up should be. That's what it came from. That's what it should still be now. If there's a better way to address a group or a minority group, then that's fine. I agree that we should talk, talk you know, do that in a, in a smarter way because you've got a certain responsibility. But I think when it, it, it just feels like they agree with it and they're happy to laugh at everything, then if, the, and if you make a joke about something that they don't agree with, then that's it. They're walking out. And you understand you can't, you've got to have it both ways. And I think the sign of, a, of an advanced democracy is that isn't how tolerant we are. It's how we tolerate differences with each other. And, and you see that bumping up with stand-up. You know, and I think it's a, I think it's it's quite depressing. You'll get less risky comedy that way, and then then people start moaning about stand up being all quite homogenized. It's like it, it's your fault. It's the yeah. people around you that they're, they're, a lot of them are idiots. They're, it's like they've got no capacity to tolerate the slightest bit of offence. You've not been physically hurt. It's because the world's instant now. You can send a complaint 
too quickly. Years ago, if you didn't like something, you had to write a letter of complaint, yeah. a specially yes. worded letter of complaint. Or just show up with a gun and shoot the person as they left their home. I always find that worked best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There but you the, go. What happened to those good old days? Christian, I think you touched on something there because uh, I think you're right. It's about everyone now has an outlet for their voice to be heard. I think that nobody's even really offended anymore. I don't know anybody who's no. offended really by anything. I'm talking about old people, young people. Nobody's really offended. They no. see certain trigger words and they go, oh, well, now I have a right to be offended. And now I want to say something interesting, something interesting and get the accolades for my thought and my opinion. So now let me put it out into the world. And when there was the only outlet before was you'd go to work and bitch about it and nobody wanted to listen to you bitch about uh being offended by some comedian's joke no and i think these days look you know one of the most amazing things that's, that's happened is the internet age you know and it's grown a sport like the ufc which we'll come on to a minute so it's given everyone a voice it's a very democratic thing the internet everyone can have a voice unfortunately the thing is that uh, it's also the worst thing about it because some people are too stupid to be allowed a voice they, they, they just are they shouldn't be allowed it you know and so it's like they're talking into an echo chamber and if things come back that they don't like or, or hear, then they're like, you're wrong. You need to stop. You've upset my small brain. Yeah, they don't know how to handle just disagreeing with something and being upset. And, and the, one, the one thing, you know, you mentioned earlier about you get to interview people you like. And a lot of times we talk to people we like and we talk to people who turn out to be shit. And there was a, a you know, I've had my share of bad interviews that I've done that I just was like, ugh. Yeah, um, me too. What, uh, I, I read about the, there was a Steven Seagal interview. Was that a bad oh, one God. for you or was it a bad one for him or what happened with that? No, it was bad, bad for me. Um, and Jimmy, it was so bad. I actually, it was actually better than being a sort of an, an average one because you know sometimes it's so bad you think this is actually better radio yep. than just an average mediocre one <laughs> yeah. you know i can't i can't get excited about that but there was something i was almost getting vaguely aroused during it it was so bad <laughs> it was my producer wrote on a post-it note just hang up and i was like no no i'm not tapping out <laughs> this one's gonna run long i'm not going anywhere what was wrong with it he was it was just him it was a phone interview and they're not always the best and so it was like midnight LA time. I'd even come into work extra early, which means me, you know me getting up at three a.m. Sure, but it was Steven Seagal, and I thought, oh, this would be real. This would be good fun to chat to him. And um, and he was starting to play his guitar in the background while I'm trying to interview him. So he's not he's not interested, and he just seemed to be like he'd taken something to relax, and and and, and it was so chilled out. He was mumbling answers. He claimed never to have heard of James Bond. Um, Every question I asked just tanked. Um, he was just mumbling, and it was, it was like that for the whole time. I mean, it, I, to be honest, because it was on the phone, I didn't know if it was Steven Seagal or just a hobo that he dragged <laughs> into Just someone that stole his cell phone and picked it up and called you. Yes. Actually, the hobo would have been more entertaining. He was just terrible. Yeah, we had them once in a while. Uh, I found Paris Hilton was really awful, and I didn't want her to be awful. But once in a while, you just get someone, and they just they clam up, or they don't know how they don't they think that their presence is interesting enough, and it's like it's not. Just yeah. pe- you know, people are listening to this. You got to at least talk. You know, I don't need them to be funny. I don't need them to 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 lie. No, I exactly. just want them to talk. Yeah, that's it. And also these days, I think because I thought I don't know about you, Jimmy, but I thought by now. Morning radio wouldn't be as important as it still is. You know, I just thought with Pandora and Spotify, there's so much choice out there. Why do they still care about a couple of guys or whoever it is talking in the morning? Why is that? But it's actually become more and more important because there's so much information out there. They want some kind of filter. It's still really important what you listen to, whatever it is, you know, in the morning, you know, for you guys and Stern as well. 
actually that, that there's something still really quite important about morning radio. You know, there's some terrible morning shows, you know, that are lazy and, uh, and phoning it in. But I think actually when you try and do something different and you try and, you know, get interesting guests on and just the things you talk about as well that, that normal people would talk about. You know, if you flick up and down the dial, it's so moronic a lot of it, just about endlessly talking about reality TV and, you know, the latest gossip on TMZ. It's like, don't people want something a bit different in the morning? Yeah, people just get sick of it. I guess it's just a safe thing to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you know, like when I bring, I, I interview a lot of fighters and we interview them in the morning. Some people love it and some people don't. Like on here, they love it. But if they're not UFC fans, they don't care. And, you know, it's, they don't want, ah, oh, well, I just a fighter talking about fighting. But yet I could listen to that shit all day. Yeah. Uh, are you going to the fight this week that- or no? Yeah, I am. But don't you find that there are two, I think, that the two of the most uh, interesting people to ever talk to are stand-up comedians and fighters. Now, obviously, they're two very, very different occupations, right? right. There's, there's no real risk to us bombing on stage unless someone throws a bot at you. But right. they're also quite lonely jobs. You're alone up there with your thoughts and your jokes. And it's the same for a fighter. And I always think that those people that do those jobs make for some of the best conversations because they're people that... I think I understand that they, they, they're outsiders to do that kind of work. Well, it's a, it's there are two professions that not many people would have the balls to do. It's yeah. two things that like you, yeah. you talk about people about their biggest fears. It's getting punched in the face, public speaking. So there's naturally a weird. All, all both at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the attraction of going to see live comedy. You're hoping he makes you laugh or that he gets punched. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm but... just good. I'm just good. I don't mind. But yeah, I think that there there are a lot of uh, parallels, and I think that uh, you know I, I don't know maybe if it's from like people that get into fighting or comedy. Typically, they're people that don't have many other options. I think it ends up being yeah. the, these kind of like back against the wall type of careers, and I think those yeah. people are typically a little bit more intriguing than the people that go and take a safe route and do the nine to five job. Yeah, and also you've had to, to go and do stand-up or to be a fighter, you've had to push yourself through some darkness to go and do that, or you've had to experience something. Even just the act of that walk up to do it, you know, you, you've got to carry your, your, your fears and your demons with you and still be able to do your job. And you know what it's like, Jimmy, I'm sure you've had gigs where you're on a tour and you know that show and you've killed for, like, the last 30 shows, and then just something throws you off or you're just not quite on it that night and you can't work out why. You know, there are about 100 different variables that can affect a gig. It's the same with a fight, isn't it? I mean, this weekend, Bisping Henderson could fight another five times. There, there could be, you know, a different result each fight. Do you have a just- pick? Who do you think this week? It's very, we're picking emotionally because we like Michael Bisping. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to, to bet against Henderson, though. Yeah, I mean, obviously, because uh, Hendo is a legend. And, you know, I don't think he'd be even having this fight if it wasn't for that crazy knockout he got just out of, you know, and that... But I've, I've got to go for Bisping, not, not just because he's our guy and he's a Brit in there. I just think Bisping is the kind of fighter that makes you get into a sport like UFC. He's such a gamer and such heart. I mean, UFC 100, he suffered one of the worst knockouts you'll ever see. It was horrendous. Right. It was humiliating. It's the kind of loss that makes you question who you are as a person, you know. And here he is. He's, he's stuck through it. He's always been that guy that just fell a little bit short for various reasons. And now suddenly he's the middleweight champion. I mean, he took that Rockhold fight at such short notice, and he, he sparked him out. You know, in two weeks, they drilled that left hook. I think going over to Jason Perillo as well, I think has made a huge difference to his game as I well. Um, and I, I think as well, it's a home advantage for Bisping. You know, all those Mancunians, 
if they're still awake at like four in the morning, um, cheering him on. I, I'd really like to see him do it. I, I really would. Oh, by the way, whenever I have those weird shows, I'm never as confused as to what it is. It's normally the echo of my own voice off the empty chairs in the auditorium. <laughs> <laughs> There's no There's nothing arbitrary about that. Yeah. It's I always yeah. know what it is. The 11 people who showed up are, uh, you know, the, the, I'd hope for better. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I want to see Bisping uh, do it. I want to see him stay st- champion, even though uh, Lewis does the podcast with him, uh, who we have here. He's his co-host. Oh, no, that's why, do you know what? I thought I recognized your voice. I listened to that show. It's a good listen. Oh, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, no, no Bisping is a, he's a hell of a broadcaster. He's a funny dude as yes, well. Yes, he is. You know, um, you know it's, it's a weird thing because you, you very rarely find, like, a charismatic, funny guy who's also in great shape that can kick your ass. You know what I'm saying? So that's like a real, like, he has like all the bases covered for being an alpha male. Yeah, he does. I mean, it, I think that's why he's done so well for himself, not just in, in the Otzinger, but I think as, as a pundit as well, because he's different, he's interesting, he's Larry, he's funny, he sells tickets, you know, and he's, I've never seen him in a boring fight, when he, yeah. whether he loses or wins. He's a gamer. He turns up and gives everything. It's amazing that, that, that Bisping's first defense of that belt is in Manchester. Um, and so that, that is really exciting. Yeah, and it's this Saturday, um, I guess, you know, 10 o'clock start uh, here for the main, uh, the main card. And uh, it, it really is a good card. It's Bisping against Henderson for the middleweight championship. And the uh, co-main is Belfort against Gegard Masasi. And uh, OSP is fighting. I'm not, sure, I'm not familiar with Jimmy uh, Manoa. I don't know who he is. Do you, are you yeah, he's been around for a while. He's okay. a solid fighter. I'm not familiar with him, but uh, I'm looking forward to He's, this. He, anything could happen with him. You know, it's like with those those tiny gloves in there, which is why it's my favorite sport to watch. I grew up, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up a big boxing fan. Sure. Um, in a time of kind of Sugar Ray Leonard and Mike Tyson, you know, it was a really, really exciting time for boxing around the world. Um, and then what I love about the UFC compared to boxing now, they're, they're both great. I don't see how it has to be one or the other. They're both brilliant combat sports. But what I love about the UFC is just how many upsets there are. I mean, no one's really becoming a dominant champion these days. We thought Ronda was, but that, you know, look what's happened there. You know, the heavyweight division, no one hangs on. Same the middleweight now. And that's what makes it so exciting is it, anything can happen in those fights. It's five-minute rounds and five rounds. It's, there's no other sport like that that has so many upsides. I think part of it, sorry, Lewis, I think part of it is, is a couple of reasons. A, uh, there's so much, like, equal talent. And I also think it's a lot harder to duck fights in UFC, yep. I, I think with boxers, they can avoid fighting the guy they don't want to fight for yeah. years. But you can't yeah. do that in UFC for some reason. MMA, it's much harder to duck fights. And uh, also, it's a crazy sport because obviously in boxing, you're worried about someone knocking you out or cutting you, you know, with their fists. You've got that in UFC. But then you've got knees, elbows, kicks, chokes, arm bars. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an insane sport. That's why when everything else is getting more health and safety conscious... This is like something going, it's, it's like it's going the other way. You know, those tiny little gloves, you know, it's two guys and two women just locked into a cage, duking it out. There's something quite pure about it in this kind of bubble wrap world, which I think is why it's so popular. All right, Chris, we have to wrap up. We appreciate it very much, man. Uh, I, I knew you'd be fun to talk to. I always like talking to, uh, to fellow radio guys. Where can people hear your show? Uh, they can find it online, um, Absolute Radio, uh, if you're in the UK or around the world and you want to listen to it. Um, but I, I appreciate coming on. It's going to be great to chat to you guys as well. I hope you enjoy the fights this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk to you again. I appreciate it. Uh, Christian O'Connell, thank Pleasure. you so much, buddy. Take care, boys. Thanks uh, a lot. You too. Take care. Uh, yeah, you can catch him. He, 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 I think he does a UFC show too on uh, on the BBC. Is that correct? Uh, Beyond the Octagon is him? He, he's done a... I, I'm not 
positive if he still does that, but he, he does a lot of MMA-related stuff. Yeah, he obviously knows he's talking about. Yeah. A fun guy to talk to. Uh, but, you know, we had to talk about some other stuff, like you being the ultimate MMA fan. You know all the fighters' strengths and their weaknesses. Now it's time to put that knowledge to the test and experience the excitement of fantasy MMA during this weekend's epic fight card at DraftKings.com. This is actually the first I'm hearing about this. DraftKings is the destination for daily fantasy sports where you could win huge cash prizes every time you play. Square off against your fellow MMA fans and play to win over $100,000 in prizes this weekend. Wow. Just pick five fighters, you stay under the salary cap, and rack up points based on how your team of fighters performs, outscore the competition, and win big. As if watching MMA wasn't already exciting enough, at DraftKings.com, every significant strike, takedown, submission, and knockout brings you closer to the payday. Millions of sports fans just like you have discovered the magic of DraftKings. Now it's your turn to get in on the action. This is really exciting. Hurry to DraftKings.com now to choose your fighters, and you could seriously win cash. This Saturday night, use the code KO and play free with your first deposit. That's code KO to play free for your first shot at over $100,000 in prizes only at DraftKings.com. That is DraftKings.com. Eligibility restrictions, of course, they may apply. Check out the website for details. We don't want to hear your complaints. Just check out the website first, DraftKings.com. I am. He was fun to talk to, man. I enjoyed him a lot. I I love radio guys because they're always comfortable chatting. Yeah. Yeah, they don't try to do too much. They don't try to shoehorn shit. They just talk. Yeah, they. Uh, well, I think it's like just being comfortable as well. I think when you first start doing radio as a comic, you're just like, oh shit, dead air. There's dead. I gotta fill up the dead air. You yeah. just speak, speak, speak. And um, yeah, it's just, it's it's it's. Uh, whenever you talk to somebody who has a lot of experience in radio, they go, oh, let's let it breathe, have a conversation. Can we break real quick? I gotta piss. This is UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Okay, we took a, a brief break there. Normally, you're not supposed to announce it on a podcast. You're supposed to do it seamlessly. But I had to take a vegetable juice shit. And I literally, that, I've complained about that little toilet. We have a toilet where the bottom is longer than the seat. So you got to watch. You don't fucking snap your helmet. Yeah. And I literally started shitting before I sat down. So I'm really, I feel <laughs> wonderful right now. You ever have one of those where you wipe the seat off and as you're, you're yeah. sitting, it's fucking, it's a disaster. Just realize that every moment of the uh, Chris O'Connell interview, Jim was holding his stomach in pain. Yeah, I, I had to shit desperately. <laughs> he was fun to talk to. We're trying to get Michael Bisping on the phone right now. Hello. Hi, Michael. It's uh, Jim Norton and your pal, Louis J. Gomez. How are you? Hey, I'm very good. I'm very good. How's it going? Good, buddy. Thanks for uh, taking the time for us today. What's up, motherfucker? Hey, what's up, Louis? How are you, buddy? What's going on, pal? TV, one sec. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? Are you moonlighting on me, motherfucker? Yeah, you know what? We were doing the countdown for a while. It felt good. And, you know, Jim and, and Matt were doing this unfiltered show. That felt good. But we figure, why not cut the dead weight? These fighters, they don't really know much about yeah. broadcasting. <laughs> figure me and Jim will just do our own show. Yeah, Lewis is cheating on you over here. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, uh, are we actually rolling? Or- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're rolling. Oh, well, fucking hell, you should have told me. I'll get my, uh, I'll get my posh voice on. He's got to get his posh voice on. Oh, no. <laughs> so what are you doing today, Michael? That was obviously the worst joke ever because there was just fucking silence. So was, All right, guys, come on. Let's do, <laughs> thing, let's, let's, let's do this fucking interview. <laughs> How do you feel about the uh, the fight this Saturday? You must be, uh, obviously you're ready. Well, you know, I mean, you know, before I came out here to the fight, because obviously the fight's happening at... Uh, five o'clock in the morning probably closer to like 5 30 the fight will actually be happening and i was like ah yeah you know what it's fine 
I'll just stay on California time. Uh, now, of course, in theory, that's really, really easy. Uh, the problem is staying up till five o'clock in the morning. Um, you get it boring as fuck. Right. <laughs> There's nothing to do, you know. So we were just sat here last night having cups of tea and talking in the room till like four o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh, I guess it's suitable to go to bed now. So, uh, so we're gonna have a full week of doing that prior to the fight. But uh, other than the being bored and having breakfast at four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm feeling great, feeling really good, very positive. My mind is calm, feel strong. I'm ready to get revenge on Dan Henderson. Yeah, does, it, does that first loss, I mean, I'm always amazed when guys are fighting someone they've lost to, and you have to think about it. H- how do you avoid allowing that to kind of play into your psyche for this fight? Well, you know what? It's not like it happened yesterday, after seven years ago. So, you know, I will be... Uh, you know, listen, he knocked me out. I just saw it again for the, like, the five millionth time. I just saw a clip of the Countdown show, and of course on the Countdown show, it shows me getting knocked out against Henderson. As I said, I've probably seen that clip about five times since it happened. It's part of history. Uh, and that actually made me a better fighter. You know, I realized I had changed some things. So I stopped going into my fights. I was skinny. I started putting more weight and uh, changed a few things. So, you know, I thank Dan Henderson for that. It's part of history. You can't change it. But what I can do is get revenge and going into the fight, you know, that was a terrible version of me. It's almost unfair to call this fight a rematch because the first fight, Dan Henderson was enhanced. He was on TRT. He was a way better version of himself. And now, myself, I'm a way better fighter now than what I was then. So Dan Henderson has gone on the decline. I've been on the incline. And so it's not even fair to call it a rematch. He's still got that heavy right hand. He can still knock people out. We saw that in the last fight. He's still dangerous. Uh, but I just think I'm a way better fighter. And, you know, I'm looking forward to setting the record straight. Now, we, we had Perillo on uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about the game plan going into this fight. Um, you know, look, you know, we've talked about this on our show. Dan Henderson, he's a motherfucker, and he's got his specific, you know, uh, weapon that he has available to him makes yeah. it a really difficult fight for anybody at any given point. He can knock anybody out at any given moment in this fight. Are you planning on coming into this fight and playing it safe and outpointing him? Because I feel like that that's definitely a path to victory right there. You're definitely a better kickboxer. Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to knock him out to exact revenge on him the way he knocked you out? Well, here's the thing. Nobody wants to see somebody go out there and try and outpoint somebody. You know, this is the most exciting sport in the world because, you know, people go out there and knock each other out. And that's what I'm looking to do. I'm not looking to outpoint him. I'm not. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll take a victory anywhere I can. If that's going to be a decision, then so be it. But I'm looking to knock him out. I'm looking to, uh, you know, listen, yeah, I want to get revenge all that, but that's not really what's at stake here. I, I, I want to remain world champion. I want to beat him in, in emphatic style. But that said, I've got to be careful. You know, I was just watching a little clip of the countdown show before, as I said. And I'm uh, excited with uh, my coach, Brillo, just walked in the room now, and I'm here with Daz Morris, my Thai boxing coach, and my jiu-jitsu coach, Brady Fink. And... You know, the one thing we said when we watched it, we looked at him, the words out of my Thai boxing coach's mouth were, he's an odd bastard, you know, he's an odd bastard. When you look at Dan Henderson, you can clearly see he's a tough motherfucker. He ain't no pussy, you know, uh, and whether or not he, he has spent a lifetime being a martial arts fighter or a wrestler or whatever, he'd still handle himself in a bar. He's an odd fucker, you know, so I've got to be careful. But I'm a hard fucker as well. 
you know, and I've fucking handled myself in many a bar, many a street fight, and I'm also, on top of that, a world-class, world-class striker. So, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to look to finish him, but I've got to be careful. You know, that right hand is still very, very powerful, and he can still knock people out. Now, you know, Henderson has been pretty, uh, pretty vocal about it. I, I believe he said if he wins the title, he's going to retire with the UFC title. Um, we talked about it on the show. That was an idea you possibly had. You you told me that your wife wanted you to retire with the title during your last fight. Two part question: Number one, would that? Do you think that that is bad for the middleweight division if the champion retires with the title? Number two, is that something that's coming into your mind uh, for this fight? Is that a possibility? Depending on how this fight goes, would you consider retiring? Listen, as selfish. Yeah, no, I'm not retiring. I'm not retiring. I'm, I'm I'm earning too much money to retire. But here's the thing. <laughs> Whatever I do, I'm not thinking, and, and all respect to the UFC, but I'm not out here thinking, hmm, what's the best thing for the middleweight UFC? <laughs> okay? that, is, that is not my thought. I'm not putting myself through all this uh, agony and hard work, getting punched in the face on a daily basis so I can benefit the UFC. I'm trying to benefit Michael Bisting and Michael Bisting's family. Plain and simple, period. So the UFC middleweight division will go fuck themselves. I'll do what's right by me. And what's right by me, beating the fuck out of Dan Henderson and then beating the fuck out of a few more people as well and getting paid. And when I decide to retire, whether or not it's with the belt, the belt I couldn't give a fuck what's the best thing UFC belt, uh, middleweight division. Good for you, man. And that, that really is very truthful it's because there's more money in a lot of times in a rematch or if it's a I great fight. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right now, the other middleweights aren't saying... What's the best thing for Michael Bisping? <laughs> so fuck the middleweight division. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them all. I'm here for myself. Me, myself, and I, and my family, my team, represent my country. All that shit, all that bollocks, that's all well and fucking good. But they can all kiss my ass. I'm going to beat the fuck out of Dan Henderson. I'm going to go get shit-faced beyond all proportions. And everyone can go fuck themselves. I don't know how anyone can not want this guy to be champion for a long time. I want to see... <laughs> It's very hard, to, and I imagine for fighters, very rarely the guys just win a belt and then stop because then it's yours and you want to defend it. And if someone takes it, they take it. But I, I don't see many fighters that really want to walk away with a belt still to be defended. Yeah, Dan Henderson's full of shit. If Dan Henderson wins this fight, he ain't going to retire. That's a fact. He's saying that. Dan Henderson's saying that he's going to retire because he knows he's not going to win this fight. You know, he knows he's not going to. There's a reason why he says he's going to retire. That's because his body's too old and beat up. He can't take the steroids anymore. He can't manipulate the system. He can't cheat. So he's saying, I'm fucking done. All right, he's had a great career and this and that, but a lot of it was fueled by artificial testosterone. He can't do that anymore. He's made some money. You know, God bless him. Good for him. He's had a good career. He knows he's calling it a day. Now, Michael, let me ask you. Now, when, when I think when he was doing TRT... Wasn't it legal when he was doing it? And, and when, when was it, uh, how has he done since it's uh, been made illegal and he hasn't been able to do yeah. it? Yeah, well, no, it was legal when he was doing TRT, but I didn't know about it. Dan Henderson was the godfather of testosterone replacement therapy. If I, I believe, and I could be mistaken, but I believe that he was the first person to start doing this, you know, and uh, it has since been outlawed and, or banned. And they say, you know, oh, I need it or I can't fight. But then when they banned it, here he is now, years later, still fighting. So it was bullshit. It was just, it was a play of the system. I'll tell you right now, I walked into a doctor's. Any fighter that has a doctor with them, by the way, is a cheating bastard because I don't need a fucking doctor. Only time I see a doctor 
if I'm sick. And even then, I don't see a doctor. It's if I'm on the verge of dying, then I'll maybe think about seeing a doctor. <laughs> Anyone that has a doctor with them is doing fucking steroids. And Vito Belfort is the one I'm thinking of, the cheating piece of shit that he is. Um, but um, what was the question? How's he done since he came off the steroids? He's done terrible. He's done fucking useless. He, he just knocked out Hector Lombard. God bless him. That got him a title shot. But he got knocked out about three times prior to landing that elbow. Um, so, and who else did he beat? He knocked out Tim Boach, but Tim Boach is, you know, he's not exactly, you know, world-class, is he? So, God bless him. He's not fast, but, you know. <laughs> Mike, uh, I love when you try to be, you're trying to be political, but well, you I'm still gonna, can't well, say. Well, here's the thing, because I've got, I've got, hold on, I've got to get Benny now. Still. <laughs> Before, I thought it's just me and you and, and, uh, and our friends listening, but now, now I'm on camera for me and Benny, so... Might have to tone it down a notch, boy. So now we're going to see Michael Bisping change because the camera crew came in. Now, oh, no. now Tim Bosch is a world-class striker. <laughs> yeah, Tim Bosch is a world-class striker and a double-odd motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and one hell of an American. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you, Mike, just a little off topic. I, I know Rashad Evans, um, who you fought back at, uh, I, was, I was there, it was New Jersey, UFC something. Um, he's making his middleweight debut. I, I said that for a long time, that Rashad should have gone down to middleweight. It seems like he was carrying a little extra weight around. What do you think about him going down now? And is that a, a rematch you'd be interested in down the road if he starts getting some wins? You know, God bless Rashad. I like Rashad. Rashad's a nice guy. He's a class act. He's been a great fighter. And he was a great addition. Uh, to the UFC's roster for a long time. I wish him the best. I do. I wish him the best. Bashar's a good dude, uh, but I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not any easier at middleweight than what it was at light heavyweight. And I don't think I'm being, you know, I don't think I'm being nasty. He struggled a little bit recently. So hopefully, you know, because he, he, he was never the biggest light heavyweight, but that said, he's very thick. Bashar is very thick. He's got a big old ass on him. He's got big thighs and things like that. He's very stocky. So... You know, I, I hope he finds success at middleweight, but it's not necessarily easier. I thought when I went down from 205 to 185, but yes, here we go. I'm going to go down to middleweight. I'm going to start bullying some people around. <laughs> Did you see me squaring up against Luke Rockhold? I look, like, I look tiny. You know, there's some big dudes at middleweight. So uh, he's not necessarily going to find, uh, you know, an easier payday down at middleweight. But I wish him the best. I really do. That's really, uh, you're really a, an honest guy. It's It's nice to hear... That you're 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 uh, genuinely uh, when you wish someone well, it sounds sincere, and when you don't, they're a cheating piece of shit. You definitely <laughs> speak your mind, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no black and white. I mean, this embedded guy here, he will tell you this. This person that's he's got uh, Alex, right? What's your last name, Merriman? Alex Merriman. If you ever speak to him, ask him to tell you the story about when we met yesterday, because uh, he probably thinks I'm the biggest piece of shit walking. Because I've just done a 15 hour journey, 11 hours across the Atlantic four hours at London Airport, then about two hours to get to Manchester because we sat on the runway forever. We feel like shit, you know, we're tired, we've had no sleep and all this stuff. We walk out, he's camping out at the airport waiting for us to film us. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? You are a fucking fun guy, man. I, uh, I always wonder that <laughs> with, with fighters because like, like in a weird way, like it's, you know, some of the most intimidating people in the world, you know, they can really just kick the shit out of you, but you're also a professional fighter. 
I feel like you're much less likely to actually punch somebody than a dude who works, you know, a regular nine to five job because you're a professional. Would you, what would be the moment where you would say, I'm going to punch this guy in the face? Does it, does it have to be somebody actually physically attacking you or could somebody piss you off like a civilian to the point where you would just drill them in the face and you said, I don't give a shit that I'm a professional fighter. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, when I was a kid, definitely there was, um, you know, listen, you know, I, I, I was a little shit when I was younger. There was plenty of uh, plenty of fights, believe you me. I've had more street fights than professional MMA fights, let's just put it that way. Probably more in one month than one of our MMA fights. Uh, but that is a form of my business. That is a, uh, you know, that guy does not exist anymore. I haven't had a street fight uh, for years and years and years. I was a very different person when I was younger. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of uh, frustration. I was an angry kid. I was an angry man. For my wife to help change that and fighting for a living has changed that. So, you know, I don't think you could push my buttons enough where I would actually punch you in the face. You would have to attack me. You would have to attack me for me to resort to violence. And then, of course, I would defend myself to the full limit of the law and maybe uh, stick the boot in while you're down as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, attack me. Attack me at your peril, though. All right, well, you're fighting this Saturday night. Um, the fight is obviously sold out, but it'll be available on pay-per-view. It's the championship, the middleweight championship, of course, against Dan Henderson, the rematch. And uh, Belfort is also on the co-main fighting uh, Gegard Mousasi. And uh, this, this, you know, it's a really good card, but uh, the fight we're all looking forward to is seeing you and Henderson. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it, it is a great card. You know, 204, there's a lot of good fights on there. The co-main event, as you said, uh, it's definitely an interesting fight. But, uh, yes, yeah, me, of course, it's all about the main event and uh, fighting Dan Henderson. I've wanted this rematch for a long time. Finally get it now as the champion. First title defense in England, in Manchester, my home city, pretty much. Uh, first ever British champion. I I'm excited. You know, I mean, my days are upside down at the moment. I'm here. It's night time. I just had breakfast. But other than that, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm about to go get a massage and I'm going to go have a little training session, and every day, because the hard work is done now, every day, closer and closer to the fight, I'm just getting stronger and stronger. And uh, if anybody want to make some money this weekend, go and bet the house on me, because Dan Anderson doesn't stand a chance. He's, um, you know, it, it, it's a done deal. It's a foregone conclusion. Uh, the money's in the bank. Put your money on me, and uh, just go pick it up the next day. Thank you, Michael. You're great, and uh, I hope you win the fight. I mean, I like Henderson a lot, but I, you know, I, you can't not love Michael Bisping. You can't not want Michael Listen, to be Dan champion. Henderson's a legend. You know, all the shit I talk or whatever. I respect the guy. He, he's an odd bastard. He's, a, you know, he's a family man. I respect him. I do. I'm just, I just do my thing. I'm just selling a fight and getting myself amped up for it. You know. Uh, so yeah, I respect him, Lewis. You're a cheating bastard. Uh, never speak to me again. Uh, guys, keep up the work. Talk to you soon. All right, see you soon, Michael. Right, Take care. Good luck, buddy. He's really a fucking fun guy. Yeah, he's the best, dude. Oh, what a he's funny great. dude. You know, it's funny. Like, it, I think it took the 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 radio show. I, maybe it was it was a little bit before the radio show, but it was right around the Anderson Silva win when the public started to change their perception on Michael Bisping. And it, it, I think the radio show was a part of it as well because you start to see how cool of a guy he really is. Here's the thing. Michael Bisping's a professional, right? So people, a lot of people hated him for a long time because of the way he was portrayed on The Ultimate Fighter. He would get into these moments, and it was like, there was like, Tito Ortiz was like the first dude to understand when the mic is in your face, 
every time there's a mic in your face and a camera's rolling, say something that's going to get some press. Have people talk about you. Sure. And Michael Bisping came from that world where he learned how to sell a fight very early. He knew it wasn't going to be being a nice guy in a button-down, right. you know, button-down shirt. And he would go and he would talk shit and he would, you know, he spit at uh, what's his, what's his name's corner, Jorge Rivera's corner after he beat, beat the shit out of him and spit at his corner. It's like, but people were talking about Michael Bisping and he created a brand for himself. Right. And now people, the same thing that people hated Michael Bisping for, they love Conor McGregor for. That's right. You know, and Mike was one of the first guys that was doing that. So I think he got a lot of flack because, you know, you were only you were only given, you know, a few times a year you were given a quick image of who Michael Bisping was. And it was usually him being this kind of cocky British asshole, almost like a bully type. Um, and then when he started being a little bit more uh, available on social media, he had the radio show, he was going and doing people's podcasts. Um, also a little bit older, has a family now, has kids that are starting to kind of, you know, he's a 15 year old son who's becoming a man now. I think he just started to, um, just carry himself a little bit differently and people picked up on that. And I've never seen somebody go from being so hated to so loved so quickly. I like him a lot. And you know, before I, I was indifferent, like he was just a good fighter. But then once I did the podcast and talked to him, he was fun. And then I, I hung out with him at 200. He was fucking awesome. Yeah. So now I really want to see him stay champion. I want to interview him in person. Like I want to sit down with him because all I want to ask about is his fucking past life. Like I'm oh, fighters such to an me interesting are story, such dude. amazing guys. Yeah. They all come from these very rarely. Who do we interview recently? Uh, Ian Jacek, I think who said that she, uh, she didn't have a whole lot of violence growing up. Like for her, it was like she was just an athlete doing other stuff, playing soccer, and then she got into fight. Once in a while, you hear that, but the majority of them had an older brother. They had a bully. There was somebody in their life who really fucked with them. I think if you talk to most people, though, because everyone like everyone's worst problem is their worst problem. Everyone's best day is their best day. So I think if you talk to anybody, they're going to tell you that they were bullied or that they had some person that fucked with them or they had some sort of horrible thing that was happening. And it's just, yeah, the the worst day for them was still their worst day. You know, my worst day I probably, it was probably a little bit worse than their worst day. Um, but I think, yeah, you're going to find most people have been bullied. Um, I think as more money comes into the sport, you're going to see more people that didn't have that background, that were just athletes, that just decided to get into it because, hey, this is a means to an end. Um, but Bisping is a guy who he has stories for days. He used to work as a as a, at a what do they call a it slaughterhouse at a slaughterhouse, dude. Just like the like the shit that he saw just at a slaughterhouse. He could fill up like ten hours of podcasts just on that. Those guys always have an interesting backstory. Like I, so many of them had more. Like I, I I got bullied a little as a kid. I'm sure you, but I didn't fight that much growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was funny. But those guys, a lot of them had a shitload of fucking, you know, just like the Diaz brothers. What would I love to sit down with them for a couple hours and talk? Because they're guys who just like to fight. Yeah, I'm amazed by people who enjoy fight. Like who don't just don't want who don't want to back out of it. Like you know how they say when when, when you have a confrontation in public, one guy a lot of the both guys are kind of looking for a face saving way to walk away. Yeah. But then there's that guy who doesn't want the face saving way. Like he wants to go through. Yeah, you tell fight. the guy who wants to fight. <laughs> oh no. And I always feel bad for the guy oh, who no. doesn't want to fight, but still and like his girlfriend's there maybe. It happened to me recently. Uh dude, it's so funny, like uh like girls will get their boyfriends into shit sometimes. So I ended up uh I don't even know. I bumped into this chick on the street or something. I stepped on her foot or something. Okay. Um, so then she was with this guy and she started talking shit to me. 
And you just saw in his face, he's like, oh, I'm going to have to fucking fight this big Puerto Rican guy because my girl just yeah. bumped into him. So it became this pissing contest between me and the guy. And it was one of my favorite dude moments in life because he leans into me. She's like out of earshot. He leans in. He's like, dude, I just met this girl. I don't want to fight you for her. Just make me look cool. Did you really like, say that to you? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, ah, fuck. I like, I got it. In that moment, I was like, you know what, dude? I was like, I, I've been that guy before. He's just trying to get some pussy tonight. Yeah, That's it. Yeah, absolutely. He just doesn't want to look like a bitch. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, go fuck yourself. And I just walked away. Um, but it, it's like, there's so much of that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, if there was no cameras, no nothing around, I don't know how many people really want to just get punched in the face. It sucks. Yeah, some guys do, uh, but but it's rare. And, and that to me, I like the fact that he actually said that to you. Yeah. Like the fact that she was running her fucking mouth, that's really annoying Yeah. when women do that. It's like they expect you to fight for them. That's just awful. I've had that happen multiple times in my life. I'm with a chick and she's dressed like a slut and some dude says something and then she says something back and I'm like, just shut up. Just shut your fight. If you're dressed like so a So what did whore, you do? Did you have to fight or did you just talk? You, you, just talk you just talk a lot of shit until it diffuses itself. I'm one of those guys. I'll talk shit like I'm going to fucking murder you, but I don't really ever want to fight. I yeah. never want to risk going to jail that night. I got a kid. I don't want to risk somebody pulling out a fucking knife and puncturing my lung with it. I'll say I don't want to go to jail, but here's the truth. I don't want to get beat up. That's what I should be yelling at people. If I was a truly an honest person. Don't hit me. I don't want to get beat up. <laughs> That's all it is. I don't care about jail. All of that anger. Oh my, if I'm out with a chick and I knew that I could dominate another guy and pound his dumb face into the I'd yeah. kill him. Of course. And then I'd go to jail and tell everyone what I did. Well, everyone, I don't want to get beat up. <laughs> Everyone's a fucking bully. Dude, I'll fight any dude that I know I can kick of his ass course. in a heartbeat. It was funny. We, we last time uh, when we had Chris Weidman, I was on the train with Matt and him, going somewhere, and it was just fun to be on the fucking train with two killers. Yeah. Even though was, I would never talk shit under those circumstances, but you just feel differently. Would you kind of understand why that chick talks shit when she's with her big boyfriend? Without a doubt. You kind of you go like, oh, yeah. no, no, I get it now. Although if I had to give up ass to Chris and Matt, I don't know, maybe I would talk <laughs> shit <laughs> if I had to earn it. If I had to earn that protection by fucking those two. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I do understand why. But I mean, I would actually go the other way and not talk shit because I know that I don't I would never put guys who are with me friends in a position. Of course, ever, especially yeah. professional fighters. But uh, you, you the, do feel like I know no one's going to bother me. Like well, you, that that feeling that we have because we're not fighters, right? That feeling that we have when a dude maybe chumps you in front of a chick, or like you're out and you know he he goes to threaten you or whatever it is, um, and then you. You know, you don't fight him, and then you have that moment. You're like, I should have fucking punched that guy in his fucking mouth, and you regret it for life. Hold on, sorry to interrupt you, my new co-host. We have my uh, my old co-host on the phone. Is this Matt? <laughs> your new, your new, your new co-host. <laughs> Who's over there? Who are you talking to? Who's in there? Who's taking my spot? Louis J. Gomez. He he does uh, the podcast with uh, uh, what's it called? Countdown. The countdown on Sirius XM. You've done it, Matt. You filled in for Bisping before. Uh, of course, I have, bro. How's everything? What's man? going on, dude? You keeping my seat warm? Yeah, yeah, it's not uh, not bad. Me and Jim are just bonding over here. We were thinking maybe we could just nice, do a little, nice. little, little switch out. So you jealous. and you and Michael Bisping can do a show together. Me and Jim will do a show together. It's nice. Oh, uh, dude, I love Bisping. I do. I, I I like him a lot. He's a good dude. I, I might be like one of the very few people that like him, but I do it's like true. him. A we do. We just had him on the phone. He's a funny guy, man. Oh, he really. It was really fun because he just blasts people. Like, he just doesn't seem to give a yeah. fuck if he bothers people. So I, I really, really enjoyed talking to him. How's Disney? Oh, you know, guys, uh, you know what sucks about these phone, uh, these, these callers, Jimmy, is that I'm not in studio and we're going to be talking over each other. But really quick, while we got Lewis on here, dude, sometimes, you know, I look at Twitter 
And I saw a thing where, um, and, and Lewis, maybe you could uh, straighten this out. I saw a thing where there was something about our podcast or something, and and Lewis, if I if I if I, if I remember correctly, said something like, "Well, we know who would win in an MMA <laughs> tag team uh, fight." Something like that, right or wrong, Louis? Look, yeah, uh, you know what? I, I'm I'm a man, and I will sit here right. And only because you're not in studio, I will say this yeah. through a phone line across the country. If we had to tag team <laughs> MMA fight you and Jim Norton, I think that me and Michael Bisping have the advantage. I'll be honest. I'm the weak link in this thing, so I have to agree with Lewis. That's something I'll agree with. I'm not a good fighter, Matt, but I would just laugh them to death. <laughs> right, that, is, that is hysterical. Well, you guys can maybe battle the mic because Lewis is a comic, no? You'd be so embarrassed for me, though. Like if you, if you and Bisping were slugging it out, and then you look over and you see Lewis rallying me in the ass and me yelling, help, Matt, help. That is too funny. But, you know, I, when I read that, and I know Lewis. I hung out with him that time, and we had a good time on his show when I was the show so i read that and it just reminded me of like the little dog like around the big dog like yeah spike look at him spike it's one thing with me and, and this thing okay that's something but you're picking on poor jimmy you prick what's the matter with you that's right i'm just a sweet little fella trying to entertain i don't know i might have a shot though because if i got you down i'd bleed in your mouth that would show you <laughs> I won the oh, fight, I but I got know. HIV. That's so great. I realize that Michelle's prick, and I'm surrounded by kids. I mean, I'm a Disney guy. How is it? I wish you guys were here. I wish Michael Bisping was here to punch me in my face. I'm about to jump off. The, I'm about to. I'm about to climb up the, 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 the Walt Disney Tower and a castle and jump off it. This is fucking brutal. Are you not enjoying Holy it? Shit, man. I was. I'm having a decent time, but really, an hour and a half of fucking Buzz Lightyear. Oh my god. Well, don't you buy the somebody, pass, Matt? Somebody punch me. Matt, is it, can't you get the VIP pass where you can cut the line? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I'm, I'm, I'm not as important, Jimmy, as, as, as one might think. I, I try to, there's the fast pass, but you can only get it on certain days. And I don't know. Right now, I would have went to a place a little more quiet, but my wife took my three kids, and they're out getting ice cream, and I'm melting in the sun. Just took pictures with some nice fans from Scotland. Matt, do you drink? <laughs> Which was, do I drink? Yeah. No, nah, man. If I did, I would have woke up with some some, some hard liquor for sure. Because <laughs> yeah, no, that's man. typically what the parents really do. You go to an amusement drinker. park, you go get drunk while your kids are on rides with the wife. Yeah. <laughs> I should, man. I really should. Do they sell al alcohol over here? You know, they I don't know. If they, I, I think they do. I know there's uh, Epcot. I've never been to Disney. Or I actually, have I been to Disney? I don't think I've ever been to Disney. Uh, no, I went to Universal Studios. I went on Confrontation, which was the awful King Kong ride. What the hell is that? Yeah, it stunk. They stopped. Oh, man. It wasn't scary. But you are enjoying yourself with the kids, right? Yeah, man. Listen, we're having a good time. I mean, my wife's out of her mind. I mean, who books 11 days in Florida? Wow. Here they come. Look, I got my three musketeers here walking with their ice cream cones. They're having a good time. You know? I mean, it's all about the children. What's you, up, girls? Are you Thanks going to the amusement radio. park every day, or are you doing other shit, too? What's that? Are you, yeah, are you, well, we, we, you know what it is? We, went, we drove to, like, Tarpon Springs to visit her aunt, and we hung out over there. It's like a... That's almost like a couple hours from here. So we had a little road trip in our minivan. I'm, I feel the way I feel like when we're pulling up to this thing. I feel like uh, Chevy. I feel like, uh, what is that? Uh, Clark Griswold? Walt, uh, not, yes, exactly. Clark Griswold, man. It's, it's Wally World. <laughs> Holy shit, man. So listen, yeah. So we went to the, uh, we went to visit the cousins. We had a good time last night. Now we're, we're, we're making, making our way around the park. And oh, I'm doing a seminar tonight. I'm, doing, I'm teaching some Kimoras in a few hours. That's fun, man. 
So you know my Disneyland. My Disneyland's the mats. You know. Well, let me ask you a question. What am I talking about? No, no, no. You're co- you're cornering Weidman, right? Of course. So now, but the thing is, how am I going to get a ticket for for the New York show? Because you're going to be there. Man, you're fucked. I don't know. I don't know. I I told you the other day, Jimmy. Well, Jimmy Norton, I think you're more important than you think, to be honest with you. Jimmy's back's hurting from carrying me on that show. No, no. I tell you're already doing a good job. You're very, very uh, enjoyed on this program. I miss uh, Matt. I love Lewis, but I do miss Matt when he's not here. You you throw the word love around like it's nothing. I thought you said you love me. I'm getting kind of jealous, guys. I'm not being weird. (laughs) I don't want to get weird. You 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 know the difference between me and Jimmy, Lewis, is... When Jimmy's gone and I got Ray Longo in or Henzo in, he's not, and I'm not an insecure guy, but he's like, oh, no, that's fine, all for the show. No, screw that. I want Jimmy near alone with freaking Chris the Lemon producer staring at you guys like an oddball, <laughs> and I don't want nobody else in there because I get jealous when other people with my Jimmy. That's well, freaking weird. Well, it was weird, too, because we have you on the phone, and we also had Lewis's podcast partner, Bisping, on the phone, so we're both just showing you guys to appreciate yeah. the comedians in your life. That's all we're doing. We're just, we're just trying true. to fucking, we're just wiggling our asses in skirts, but we're there for you. It's true, man. It's true. Hey, listen, guys, I, I appreciate you calling me. I-, I like to still be a part of this thing while I'm out here and hanging out with fucking Goofy and all these, all these people. You know what's fucked up? They used to have those the Goofy and the Mickey and all them when I was a kid, they were walking around the park. Now, all these fucking lines, if I want to go take a picture with my kid at the, with Goofy, they're not walking around anymore. They're a, you got to wait on another goddamn line. Please <laughs> say, please, somebody. please, I know, I'm, I'm hoping that you get into a physical confrontation. <laughs> fucking ex-UFC champion fucking snaps the neck of man in Goofy outfit. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, did you see yeah. Minnie Mouse beating the shit out of Matt Sarah at Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> all right matt man well listen we are, we're also hitting universal so listen, we're gonna make it a party all right we'll talk to you in a couple days um I'll, you know have fun and uh, i'll talk to you in two days definitely do we know who's on for the next podcast do we, do we know what's going on with that we got dan henderson on the phone um and we don't know exactly whoa who, who else see if we get henderson calling in whoa guys i thought we were team well, I'll tell you. <laughs> well that's gonna uh, now let me tell you when you when you got when you got henderson on the phone are you going to let him know that you're you're wearing your Michael Bisping shirt and you're 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 flying that flag because he's your boy, Lewis? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I have to. Obviously, I'm a real ass dude. Maybe you've never been to my website, realassdude.com. I tell it like it is. I, I would tell Bisping. Is, I would tell really? Henderson that really? too. Sure. You know. Oh, that's awesome, man. All right, guys. Well, listen, Jimmy. I miss you. I miss you, Lewis, buddy. That whole that whole tag team MMA thing's under the bridge. We're all good now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chris, the producer. I was just kidding about a lemon. You know. You know. I. I I like you too. Strong I, pre- like. I appreciate I, I it. Thank you, Matt. Love around. I don't throw that word love around. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later, guys. Thank Bye. you, Matt. See you, buddy. Right, it is a weird thing to like interview fighters and then like you were just talking about how you want them to lose their fight. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird, but it's uh, Bisping got in trouble. I don't know if I should even talk about this. There's a fighter that he publicly picked against. I won't say who it was, but this guy was furious. Like, Bisping showed me the text messages. This guy was so mad oh. that he would go on a public forum and pick against him. And Bisping was like, look, man, it was like, I got to pick. People are asking me my picks of these fights, so sure. you got to pick one. You know, so it's, it's a funny thing because they still are human beings where sure. their feelings will get hurt. You would assume that they would disconnect themselves from that, though. You assume that everyone would have to have a pick, and every once in a while it wasn't going to be you. Jones called me out. John Jones uh, called me out. I, I, had, uh, I told Cormier that I hoped he won. Whoa. I, like, I like both of those guys, but uh, I love that John called me out on that. But it's, it's like it's, a lot of times it's not because you don't like – there's no fighters I don't like. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I would tell Henderson I wanted Bisping because I know him. Like, I, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like literally if you know one guy and you don't know the other guy, you're going to root for the guy you know and the guy you've talked to and interacted with. That's yeah. all. But, uh, you know, it's like if Henderson won, I would still be happy even though I like Bisping more. Because oh. Henderson's Henderson. I'd be devastated. Would you really? I didn't, I didn't think I would care that much. But, I mean, dude, that fucking Rockhold fight, when, when Bisping was in that fight, dude, and he knocked him out, like I, I jumped up and down like a schoolgirl. Like you have no idea. I was happy to. It was, it was craziness. So I'm like extremely invested in. That's the only guy that I'm that much invested. It wouldn't. You hear guys like they'll watch football and their team will lose that week, and it will ruin their whole weekend. Right. And you're like, I'm, not, I'm never, I'm never that invested in any sport. I don't like sports at all. But right, me neither. I, I used to, but I think Rogan said nothing with a ball anymore. And I literally will watch. Only uh, UFC. I don't watch anything else anymore. That's it. I used to be a Cowboy fan. Apparently, they're 3-1 and one now. Fucking news to me. <laughs> news to me. Well, Rogan did kind of nail it. It's like when he talks about it and he puts it in those terms, it was it was either him or somebody else that kind of broke it down. But just how silly it was to like, you have this ball and I have to put it through this hoop or have to bring it over this line. Like, you're grown fucking men. Punch each other in the face. What are you doing? Yeah. Why am I watching men play with balls? That just seems right. very silly to me. Or even like, it even when people watch college sports, I'm like, you're watching boys play a game right now. What the fuck is wrong with you? You're an adult. You have kids. Yeah. You're right. All right. We're going to wrap up, I guess. That was the show. What a fun show this was. Uh, I head to Washington, D.C. Friday night. I'm doing the Lincoln Theater, if anybody cares. And a whole bunch of new dates to be announced. And I'm shooting a special uh, in December in New York. I will announce the dates. I moved the date just to be Sweet. after the election. Be stupid to shoot right before the election. Yeah. And uh, Louis J. Gomez, man, really fun. Um, you know, I Thanks, enjoyed, buddy. Yeah, I knew it would be very easy with you. <clears throat> and uh, Michael Bisping, uh, good luck this, this Saturday. Thank you for calling in this fight with Dan Henderson. And I enjoyed Christian O'Connell a lot, too. So check him out on uh, BBC. Uh, is he still on BBC or no? Yeah, he does that every day. He does. Um, okay, yeah. Over in, uh, if you're in England and you're listening. And my pal Matt Sarah have fun in Disney. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Not and bad. And you can catch, uh, check Lewis out on Legion of Skanks. Yeah, Legion of Skanks. Also, Real Ass Podcast. Both available at gasdigitalnetwork.com. And then every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern, the Countdown with myself and Michael Bisping. Yes. Sirius XM Rush 93. All right, guys. Thanks, Chris, for doing a good job. And uh, I guess that's the end of it. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.